not playing with lex and dan i am dan and i'm lex hi lex hi dan how are you i'm doing well how are you i'm good it is it is uh brutally hot it is also brutally hot here and and that is um yeah summer for you yeah i don't know i've got you've got a frosty beverage i understand i do i have a uh, a summer ale a sam adams summer ale here. oh man that sounds good i got one of those in the fridge i should have pulled it out i believe you have water I do have water because I want I want to hydrate. I hear that's important. So what is not playing with Lex and Dan? Give me the, the 20-second summary. Well, if you've never heard of it before, it's where Lex, you, and Dan, me, sit down together and watch a movie that one or both of us has not seen before. And then we talk about it a little bit. So what's tonight's movie? Well, tonight's movie comes from the long list of movies I have not seen. Um, and it's probably because it was in that sort of comedic genre in the, this is, this is an eighties movie, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Okay. It's I mean, it seems like an eighties movie. Um, and I believe I don't, I have no, I don't have no, my research. So I don't even know what year this came out, but I believe the movie came out in 1989. Okay. Oh, that's pretty, so late eighties. Right. All right. Um, and the movie is UHF. UHF of the Weird Al Yankovic oeuvre. Written by Weird Al, starring Weird Al, directed by his manager, Jay Levy. That's a lot of Weird Al. Now, let me ask you this. What do you know sure. about the movie? Well, I know it's got Weird Al in it. <laughs> you've possibly increased, you know, you, you might have doubled, well, you've more than doubled my knowledge about <laughs> UHF. All right, so I'll tell you what I know. I know that's got Weird Al in it. Yeah. I, know you, I know you love Weird Al. I do. I'm pretty sure you're not in the movie, but <laughs> I could be wrong. Um and I think it has something to do with them taking over a TV station, or there there is some sort of TV theme. I mean, obviously UHF, and and is I don't know. I was a child in the eighties. I don't know if you still have one, but I had growing up. We had a, a television with actual knobs on yeah, it. We had one of those, right? So and mine had a, a UHF dial and a VHF dial. Right. This movie is not about VHF. Channels. That was going to be the not, sequel. That was a different one. Yeah. Okay. So, but I, and I can also tell you they stand for very high frequency and ultra high frequency, but that's that I didn't no, know. I now I'm I'm educating you now. That's great. I will tell you before we press play that um, before the movie came out, Orion Pictures, um, you know, they do their pre-screening tests, the screenings, sure. I guess, where they get audience feedback. It was their highest scoring movie wow. ever, and uh, so they were really excited. They had huge um, expectations, and. Uh, then what happened was they wanted it to be a summer blockbuster. It actually came out almost exactly on this date that we're recording. It came out July 21st, 89. They thought that it was going to be, you know, huge, and it bombed. It opened the same weekend, I think, as um, Ghostbusters 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh, Batman, Lethal Weapon. (laughs) Um, Wait, all those opened on the same weekend? They were all within the past couple weeks. That was a hell of a weekend. It was all within the past couple weeks. And sure. oh, when Harry met Sally, License to Kill, Weekend at Bernie's, all the same time, and so it kind of just wow. it kind of just that's a great summer for movies. Yeah. Well, so yeah, I mean, I, I I guess I was kind of aware that it's it's more of a cult classic, right? Um, but yeah, I, I I it's possible I've seen maybe like thirty seconds of it at some point in the past, but I couldn't like caught it on TV or maybe at my cousin's house on VHS like really briefly, but I know I have not seen very much of it. 
Well, Dan, yeah. you are about to have an experience. <laughs> Is, can I stay in my body during this experience? That's allowed. You All and right. I are both queued up about eight seconds in. It's just after the roaring lion fades away. When it fades to black, that's where we're paused. After it goes... That was a very good impression. Actually, that thank voice you, in you. the movie, done by Weird Al. Oh, no. Not true. And so we should start... We should hit the play button uh, right after three. So one, two, three. Dan, I have some good news for you. What is it? You can cross UHF off your list. Wow. Because now you've seen it. Hold on. Let me bring up the big list and check. Now we're going to enjoy some great closing credits music. Now, in the beginning, it says it's starring Weird Al Yankovic, but here in the final credits, it's Al Yankovic. I see that. But that's the movie. John Paragon is indeed a paragon of acting. <laughs> it's true. I do want to say that the uh, the uh, Vance Colvig played the bum. His father, Pinto Colvig, was the original Bozo the Clown. Really? And the voice of Goofy and the voice of both Grumpy and Sleepy in the Snow White and Seven Wow, Years. that is quite the filmography. Satan now, is Patrick O'Brien. Now, Not the Vance author, Colvig, I'm guessing. Yeah, Vance Colvig here, Jr. Uh, he was uh, best known as the cartoon voice of Chopper, Yaki Doodle's friend and protector on Yogi Bear. Okay. It's been a while since I've watched the Yogi Bear. Yeah. He died two years after That's filming wow. UHF. Probably no relation between those two he things, was, right? He was 70 years old in UHF. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty healthy run. Yeah, he he did fine. It's not like, uh, you know, Orson Welles' final appearance in the original cartoon version of Transformers, the movie. So let me ask you. Shoot. You've seen UHF. I have. I, I've, I found myself here still laughing at jokes that I already know very well. But how did you feel about it? Did you like the movie? Was it okay? Terrible? It wasn't terrible. I, it's very much a movie of its age. Um, and there's a very particular type of comedy there. And we were talking about that a little bit during there. Like you've got the, the sort of like airplane Leslie Nielsen police squad style stuff, which I think is, I think probably appealed to me more as like a younger, like a, as a kid. Um, I think like that was the kind of humor I was into, you know, when I was, when I was younger. And I think I've, I've, my, my tastes have changed. Um, that's not to say that the, the, there's anything wrong with this style of humor. It just doesn't. It doesn't make me laugh as much as it used to. Um, right. And I also wonder. There's a, there's a weird phenomenon I find with some particular types of movie. And the one that always comes to mind for me is uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is which is a classic. And I find is one of those movies that's kind of hilarious to talk about and recount. And then if you sit down and watch it, it's not as funny as you would like it to be. Like it's so much better in your memory in some ways. See, I don't even think that's a funny one to recount. Really? I love Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I mean, again... I, I love Monty Python, but yeah, I mean, I, I hate people quoting it at great length. Well, no, not at great length, when I first but like, you know, I, I think it's one of those things that sometimes I think about scenes and, and like, I still think about the Black Knight scene in Crack Up, right. you know, th- th- what, like 25 years since I first saw it. 
What I think I like about UHF in particular is that it feels like a very weird Al movie. Sure. Like you're saying it's of its time. I also think it's of its of its star sure. and writer. Yeah. Where there's, I mean, Weird Al most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, his parodies aren't actually parodies because theoretically the true definition of parody means it has to be commenting on the original work and right, a song right. like a song like smells like nirvana or achy breaky song those are commenting on the original work but a song like white and nerdy isn't commenting on millionaires riding as much as it is just you know using the same music and writing new lyrics so with uhf you get these pseudo parodies you know wheel of fish for wheel of fortune yeah and yeah. Uh, gandhi too and conan the librarian and i don't know that stuff really works for me i i think that you know i if i had to pick one moment as my favorite i would probably go with spatula city i i, I have can... to say that is the moment that is my was my favorite gag from the thing because because the, the level of commitment and the execution on it was just really well done in the sense that like they kind of nailed a very particular type of ad that especially those of us who were watching TV in that era, like it was incredibly common. And and they just that is that's is a great example of something that I think is parodical, right? Like in, in you know, it's clearly got a re- commentary on a type of existing media. So I, I that I I would agree that that was probably my favorite moment throughout the movie. But yeah, yeah, there's there's other. I mean, you know, I think Weird Al. I'm not as big a Weird Al fan as you are. I know you were quite the Weird Al fan. I do enjoy. I respect him. Um, I think he's he's a smart guy, and he's like, I mean, I've written a couple parody things in the past, and it's hard. It's hard work, man. And he does a great job of it, and he's clearly a very talented musician too. So, you know, that's that's no short shrift. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's you're right that it's a movie that very much seems to reflect his own particular sensibilities which is you know not surprising given that he he wrote it yeah and i i don't know i i don't think it's a great movie i don't think it's you know it's exceptional there are jokes that fall flat there are jokes that miss and it's got that i mean and again i don't know we we've we've talked a lot about 80s movies because a lot of the movies that we are missing are 80s movies um and i think that there's a particular type of movie that was very common in the 80s that this is exemplifies it's got a slightly different structure because it's very it's got all the little skits and pastiches and stuff like that in there um but that whole like the triumph of the underdog type thing where it's like oh there's the bad you know like you know figure authority figure right in this case you know you've got rj fletcher in something like you know ferris bueller you've got the 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 principal right like there's there's a foil um, right. who's who's mean and kind of has no redeeming qualities right is just there to be like a dick yes. and then you've got the lovable underdog and just when it seems like all the you know everything stacked against them like all his friends and people come to his aid and bail him out at the last minute and that's a right. it's a very common structure in, in especially in 80s movies um which i you know at times i find kind of delightful um but yeah, that was the reason I think why it was so. You know, at times it's predictable, um, right? Oh, I would say it's super predictable. Sure, sure. And that's, and, I mean, that's, that's not the that's not the point of the movie, even really. Right. And uh, you mentioned at one point that um, that uh, uh, John Paragon was a paragon of acting. <laughs> so Paragon played R.J. Fletcher's right. Son, right, I saw that. Yeah. Who of all the smaller characters, I feel like really hits his part. Has I mean, he... you hate him. And he's like, like when when he introduces the fact that he is his dad while he's getting yelled at, when he does that crazy joke about the guy in the picture frame and stuff, like, I feel like he really commits. 
Did he go on to anything notable? No, nah, I mean, he was on Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> he was in the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Okay. So he's, uh, he's he got was a on Pee-wee. several Elvira things. Okay. He he was in three episodes of Seinfeld, two playing the same character of Cedric, and in the Soup Nazi, he played Ray. Oh, he's in I the don't Soup really Nazi know what any of that is. Yeah, interesting. But uh, no, he didn't do too much. Not but I I really think he uh, he commits. This is this is maybe his finest hour, is what we're saying. Oh, for sure. Wow, he was the voice of Terry on on Pee Wee's Playhouse. And he was a member of the old Groundlings Improv Group, oh, which is sure. how he knew Paul Rubens for. That, that makes that stuff. makes sense. Oh, he was in airplane too. So that's that's there's something uh, consistent about that. <laughs> and so the thing that I I think the, where this movie gets flawed to me is not the predictability, like you said, and and some of the other stuff. It's that it doesn't commit as a movie to let me be an airplane style movie. Like sure. it's not filled with background gags. It's going like let me do like plots are us. I really like the, 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 the like let's compare ourselves to other cemeteries where there are bodies sticking out of the ground. I like that. You know, I like the parody piece. And I think you could do a movie that was both the airplane Zuckerberg style stuff and the parody stuff. Uh, and a lot of those movies do those things too. But then there are, are long stretches where it's other kinds of comedy. Right. And like I I don't know. When you see that sign early on where it's watch for falling rock, I, you know, that it sets you up suggests, for a particular right, type. Right, we're going to get humor. this kind of humor and then you don't. And I feel like I think it's hard, harder than it may seem at first blush to do that kind of joke, to think about, you know, what are, what's going on and then what's not not the subtext, what what are the background gags in each and every scene? Right. And I think if he made this movie today, he would have done that. And he would have directed it himself and not have his agent who had never directed anything direct it instead. But that's where I feel like it falls down. A little well, bit. yeah, I mean, a lot of the things stand very well on their own little gags. I, th- I think Gandhi too. also, that's another yes. good, like self-contained, like it's a funny idea. It doesn't relate at all to the rest of the show. And like, that's why the, the framing plot of the TV station is kind of just there to prop up the jokes, right? Like right. to prop up the skits. And so, you know, th- and that's, that's again, fine. I mean, it's clearly a movie that sets out to be like, we're going to do a bunch of skits. Um, yeah. So, you know, but it like you, you look at somebody like a, you know, like a Mel Brooks, right? And like who's like parodies his business, at least, you know, for a long time. And and the again, those are, I think, good examples of like really committing to it's a different type of humor slightly. But he does do the parody where he like really commits to it. In some ways, you know, this movie could have benefited more from like the Weird Al approach of like, you know, he when he does parody a song, he really like, you know, he gets in there and, and does it very much to a T. Um, yep. Whereas in this one, it feels a little bit more scattershot. Um, and you know, Al has said about his music videos, he used to have other people direct his videos, including Jay Levy, who directed this. And then over time, he said, you know, I became, and he also had other people who were producing his albums. And he said, you know, over time, I became enough of a control freak that I decided I had to produce my own albums and I was going to direct my own videos. And I think that's exactly it. Like, he wanted to have that level of attention to detail that if it's not your true passion project, you're not going to. Sure. And uh, so that's why I said, I think if he made it today, it would probably be funnier. <laughs> well, we know there's no new ideas in Hollywood. So maybe a UHF remake is right down the road. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. UHF 2? UHF? Yeah. uhf year. Yeah. It's the UHF-iest. Yeah, I think it would be. But uh, they couldn't get Michael Richards, though. Be... Right. Well, just, that's what I was just going to say is that there is, a, there is a surprising preponderance of... Um, actors who turned out to not be the awesomest people in the world. <laughs> really, I guess it's just two, but what a t- what a pair <laughs> between Victoria Jackson and Michael Richards. Yeah, that's um, that's special. 
I, I guess Fran Drescher has improved, proven herself evil other than her voice. And yeah. her voice is really kind it's, of it, kept in check It's here. not as bad. Well, it became, because it became a shtick later on, right? Like, right. it started out as like, okay, she's got this like Jersey accent, right? But like, then it turns into, you know, like, all right, well, that's what, what is funny about this, you know. she. I mean, even when she was doing something like The Nanny, right? Like, that was like her playing a particular type of character right. that is basically, you know, you know, a caricature of herself. Right. So kind of one note, but um, yeah, yeah, it became a little bit more of a shtick after that. But I will say, you know, the, the lines that fans quote these days are, you know, the stupid, you're so stupid, and what's in the box, nothing, absolutely nothing. The whole Wheel of Fish scene, really. The Wheel of Fish scene was pretty good. I'm pretty sure. I, I think I have seen that one before, at least at some point. I do I do know the you're so stupid line. Like having, maybe I just didn't put it together with this. Right. But like I, when I heard that said, I'm like, I've heard, clearly heard that as a sound clip at some point. So I believe that. Yeah, that was a. I mean, I I give it a thumbs up. I'm glad I've seen it. I don't want my like hour and a half back there. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And how would you? I mean, so far now uh, on this series of ours, you've seen two movies that you had never oh, seen man. before. You want me to Beverly rank this Hills against Cop. Beverly Hills Cop? Yeah. Well, what I want to do is have a running tally of what your favorite of our of our season is. But it has to be movies I haven't seen because Die Hard right. beats both of these for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't go to a movie that you already know um, because that's cheating. Geez, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. Uh, they're very different types of movies, right? You yes. know, and I think, you know, I think Beverly Hills Cop might get the slight edge in this one, if only because wow. there's the fact that it actually has sort of an ongoing plot where it's like, right. all right, I do kind of want to know what happens, right? I um, want to know how they're going to get from A to B, right? That that might give it the slight edge at this point, but I, I don't think it's like a huge, a huge lead. It's not like Beverly Hills Cop was the best movie I've seen. Sure. The what I would say, I'm I'm not suggesting that you should watch UHF a second time, but if you find yourself with the DVD with the commentary track, it, it does add a new level of enjoyment to the movie. I haven't actually, I though I have not seen you know it with the commentary. I have watched a movie with Weird Al doing the commentary. Oh, interesting. He is on is the, that, riff like the riff tracks, tracks? for yeah. Jurassic Park, which is yeah. totally random, but he it's actually quite funny. <laughs> it's 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 the reason it's not random is he's done a, a parody of the song MacArthur right. Park about Jurassic right, Park. Right, right, okay. Um but yeah, so when you watch the commentary, Al comes in ready to go. Like he's done a ton of research, he's got notes all around him. That like seems I, like the I, guy I he is, right? Like that's Yes. Oh, he was he you know, he I mean, now we're going to get into weird weird Al obsession, but he graduated high school at age 16 as valedictorian. He's a smart dude. But you know, he brings in Michael Richards and he brings in Victoria Jackson. I can't remember if he brings in anybody else. Maybe Franz Rescher stops by. He shows you a couple deleted scenes, and you can watch the deleted scenes with commentary sure. where he tells you how bad they were and why they pulled them out of the movie. It's pretty good. That I mean, I don't often listen to commentary tracks because it is an investment to sit down and listen, you know, watch a movie that's yeah. not, you know, we're not really watching the movie. I mean, Before I mean, I besides kids, you and I me, I watch commentary tracks all the time. Besides you and me, when we just watch movies and right. aren't really watching the movie. Yes, that's totally different. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we did it. Um, we can check that sucker off. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm looking over I'm looking over our list of movies because we got we got to figure out what's coming up next time on not playing. I believe it, and what it's I your like turn. is that we really do pick this in this moment. This is when we're deciding. I have no and you get to pick. Okay. You can pick so what I'm watching. I, I was next. looking at this you know there was a movie that popped up in my head while we were watching this um which I believe hold on I'm going to go back and look. We do we establish that UHF was 1989. Because I believe this yeah, movie is a contemporary of UHF. 
Um, yes, it's also a 1989 movie, and it popped up. I can't remember what, what made me think of it, um, but I just noticed it is on your list of movies you have not seen, and it's a great movie. I really like it. Um, it's like not like some too. of these where I just want to, like, I kind of want to subject you to this um, right. because I'm evil. Like, I think Highlander's on your list of, like, that's just mean. Like, that's not a very good movie. It's kind of, like, got a cult place in it again, but, like, it's not a really good movie. But I'm going to make you watch one that I actually like. Um, okay, what is and it? That is, and that is the, the 1989 Kevin Costner starring Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams. That's about baseball. It is about baseball. It's a good movie, too. I, I You know what? I... I think very fondly on that movie. And that's, I, I believe, and we'll talk about this next time, but I believe that's the origin of the joke that they make over and over again in Wayne's World 2 about if you yes, build it, they will come. indeed. Yeah. Now we've pretty much said everything I know. Okay. Well, that's good. We've, we, we'll, um, we'll, uh, we'll put that one on the schedule. And I look forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. So let's, uh, yeah, t- sally forth and, and move <laughs> on to our next, I don't know how to end this. Uh, yeah, I, I, we need a script. <laughs> It's not playing. <laughs> you can just go straight to that whenever there's a problem. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dan. Well, thanks, Lex. And uh, thank all of our listeners, whoever they might be, for joining us on Not Playing with Lex and Dan. We'll catch them next time. We'll see you at the movies. (laughs) (laughs) I think we'll get sued for that.